And join me in a word of prayer. We're going to jump right into this message this morning. Father God, I thank you once again for the opportunities to take your gospel around the world. Father, for us to think globally and not to be narrowly minded, but Father, to remember the great commandment to go into all the world and make disciples. Father, may we be faithful and fruitful in doing that very thing for your kingdom and not ours. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a song several years ago. Some of you way too young to remember. Some of you weren't even born. Some of us weren't even born. When this song came out, it was called Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. As a matter of fact, I'll try to sing a couple of lyrics to you. I'm just kidding. Because your feelings will get in the way of your destiny this morning. And that's the big idea for the whole morning service is don't let your feelings get in the way of your destiny. See, there's a new American Idol. I'll tell you, I, this has been on my mind. I've been writing things for a series. Uh, it's at some point in time, we'll fall into a series. I want to talk about people's feelings. I want to talk about people's emotions because we are living now with a new American, under a new American Idol known as be led by your emotions, be led, be driven, lean into your feelings. Because after all, they have to be right, right? There's got to be truth in how you feel this morning. I mean, I feel comfortable, it's nice, it's cool, there's some truth in that. But be careful with your feelings because your feelings might get in the way of your destiny, what God has for you. See, we live in a time where there's the idol of our opinions, there's the idol of, of our feelings, there's the idol that we are to be led by our emotions, there's the idol of impulse, follow your gut. If it feels good, do what? Do it. That's what we hear. You deserve a break today do you <laughs> remember this is not your day off this is the lord's day that's the truth i can't help what your feelings are telling you all right numbers chapter 13 let's jump right in if you have your bibles open them up with me to numbers chapter 13 then the lord said to moses you just love moses the author of the first five the pentateuch Okay, we don't need to go down that road. But the Lord said to this man, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm about to give the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. Now, I want you to see that the Lord commands Moses here to send some men to explore the land which they are to conquer. That's not what it says. That's how we read it. But it says what? That the Lord is going to give to them. I am giving to the Israelites. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. They, and they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land at which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. And even, we even saw the descendants of Anak there. The cities. Oh, they're so large. The people are so powerful. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites, a bad report about the land they had explored. Oh, they had to spread their feelings. They had to spread their emotions. Misery 
loves company. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. You ever feel like a grasshopper in someone's eyes? Hey, at least grasshoppers can jump. Unless they were. I found them when I was a kid, you know. Anyway. The Lord is giving the land to them. I want you to see the truth in this whole story as we unpack the whole story is the Lord is giving the land to them. But their feelings get in the way of their destiny. Yeah, but we saw. Oh, yeah? Well, what's the scripture say about seeing? It says something about faith and sight, doesn't it? Yeah, see, see, they forgot the truth, that the truth of the Lord, he had told them, this is for you. Their feelings overruled their faith. They relied on their own power instead of the promise. What about us today? How do we feel? Are your feelings greater than your faith? Is God's really impressed this upon me? I, I can, I'm a passionate person. Now, if I were to break this whole, if I could write a series, and I am writing a series, I'd like to talk about the difference between emotions and passions. Emotions are there to set forth passions. Passions can be uh, living in truth, but be, be weary of your emotions because emotions tend to be impacted by every environment that you are in. Now, a passion says there is a mission, and I'm passionate about accomplishing that mission. Emotion sees everything that gets in the way. It just lives life somewhat vicariously. What about us today? How do we feel? Are you a little frustrated? I noticed some NFL teams are attempting to make a statement. You may not have seen this if you live in Mexico. But if you live in the United States, you've seen something this week. How does that make you feel? Well, I have an opinion. See, we tend to live life out of emotion. But our emotions can be messed up. We must become emotionally healthy in order to be effective. It's, it's interesting because we, we tend to forget, hey, I'm emotionally charged at watching people kneel in the, during the national anthem. And then I have to remember, they're emotionally charged. And the unfortunate thing is they're doing something about it through emotion. Careful with your emotions because they can impact your destiny. When I left for college, the theme of the day was this. You are a world changer. Your future is in your hands. You can get the world by the tail. Go out and impact the world in a better way. But today, colleges teach just the opposite. You are a victim. There's something known to that. I just found out about this. Little Leah uh, mentioned Poe's Law, and I had to go look it up. But something that's being taught in our universities today is this thing known as Poe's Law. Any of you heard of it? I will enlighten you. Just don't get too emotionally charged over it. See, if you are in the, what Poe's Law states is this. If you are in the majority, you can never understand the minority. Your opinion, your thoughts, your actions will never be enough to put you in a place of understanding. If you are of the privileged, you should have no say whatsoever to the underprivileged. That's interesting to me because Jesus was constantly speaking to the underprivileged. He had something to say. 
the one that owned a thousand cattle or a thousand, a lot of cattle on a thousand hillsides. <laughs> the one who strides the stars in the heavenlies spoke specifically, said the poor you always have with you. What does he mean by that statement? You have a way to make their lives better. If we didn't believe this, I wouldn't preach the gospel. Poe's law is a lie, but it's being taught as though it were the truth. Follow your emotions. Today, if something hurts your feelings, you need a safe, safe space. We don't have one here. Okay, I mean, we got an altar team that will pray for you. That's how we deal with it. And they might just speak into your life. I hate to think that Mother Teresa probably felt as much or more or less, let me say it that way, possibly she, she thought, I have no help for the lepers. So even though I go to the lepers colony, they're the ones that have the injustice done, so I can't speak to their ailment. No, she believed she could make a difference. And she spoke in their lives and became the difference. You know, in order to, to, to promote the future, we're taught you must change the past. Interesting to me. Because I, I, I lived in the day and time when we went to the university and, and you got your degree that you weren't looking to erase the past. What you were trying to do is to promote your future and everyone else's around you. But no, my feelings have been hurt because of a statue. Because of something. But I can't understand because I'm not the minority. Now let me tell you something. History is defined not by truth. Well, yes, it is. The facts that happen in history are defined by truth. They're not defined by feelings. You are a victim of your race, your economical standing, your political party. You're a victim of the environment because of the human race and global warming. Today we are told to follow your feelings, follow your heart, lean into it. If it feels good, do it. Some of you are feeling something right now towards me. I'm not after you. I'm not after your race. I'm, I'm trying to say, hey, Jesus is about the human race, and it's not about erasing things of history. It's about promoting things of the future because our future is Christ. Jeez, the voices that are out there today getting us emotionally charged to separate us. However, what about us as Christians? Are, any, are we any different? You know, I've known gifted Christians and their gift led them to a place where their emotional health couldn't handle or maintain their position. Whew, that's a powerful statement. I know it's a long, it's a run-on sentence. I can't help, I wasn't an English major for a reason. I'll read it again. I've known gifted Christians and their gift led them to a place where their emotional health couldn't handle or maintain their position. They just emotionally were unstable and eventually that showed up and it caused a wreck in their life. They didn't reach the destination that God had intended them. They, they didn't reach the promised land see they could do the job well but they couldn't be promoted because of their emotional instability you know you've got a person somewhere in your life that is emotionally unstable and what do you, how do you walk around 
It, don't, it doesn't matter. You're going to step on it some point in time, right? There's a mine out there somewhere. And it's going to blow up. And it's unfortunate because they abort their destiny because of their instability. Dorothy, listen, you probably should have wound up in Kansas 20 years prior. You don't get it, do you? thought that was a good one. The reason the enemy doesn't need to send a terrorist to kill you is because you keep killing yourself. I wonder how many marriages would be saved if we would do them the way God desires, the way God demands. Now watch how offensive this is. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Till death do us part. It's not easy for a husband to do that. Jesus really loves the church. He really does with all that he had. He gave every ounce of blood for her, for his bride, for us. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves it. Well, I don't want to do that. She doesn't love me. You ain't tried to live with my wife, Curtis. I'm going to tell you right now. Well, bless God. I hope I never do. Right? And women, it's no easier for you. The scripture says, and respect your husband's as unto the Lord. What if you just decided to respect one day? Well, he doesn't deserve any respect. My goodness, the only thing he's good at is with the channel changer. And half the time he misses with it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you just don't know, Curtis. Well, look, it's not my word. It's God's word. It's the truth. And this is what happens. We tend to say, I don't know if that's still truth for today. Would that really work today? Well, I think God knows how he created us and what our needs and how to get our needs met. I don't know a wife, one, who doesn't want to be loved by her husband. I've never met that person yet. I've seen them separate. I've seen them divorce. I've seen things happen because the husband absolutely refuses to love his wife. And I've seen just the, the, the other side of it happen as well, where wives, no matter what the husband does, no matter how much he tries, no, no matter the attempts that he brings forward, wives say, I refuse to respect him. I know too much. I've seen him in his underwear. I had a good thing going, I blew it right there. Forgive me, Lord, that was emotion. <laughs> but here's the truth, church. The church is, the truth is this. We wonder why prayers are not answered, but maybe if I focus on what he says to do, he would focus on what I ask him to do. That's a bomb. Maybe if I focus on what he, speaking of the Lord, says to do, he would focus then on what I ask him to do. See, I'm not saying to lay down, to cower down, to not speak the truth. I'm simply saying our emotions and feelings can separate us from one another and can separate us from the world. Jesus has his ways and they are higher than our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Now let me remind you what he commands us to do. He says to pray for our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Pray for those who persecute others. I got emotionally charged this week when I saw the news speaking of the prisoner from 
the United States and North Korea. Ooh, man. That just, I can become emotionally charged. But Jesus said, hey, you better pray for them. I'm reminding you, there needs to be some prayer taking place here. We win these battles on our knees. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, offer him the left as well. Well, what if you run out of cheeks? That's happened to me. If someone asks for your tunic, give him, give them your cloak as well. If they ask you to go one mile, go with them too. What's he saying? Give. Serve. Show them a different way. It's so easy for us just to get fired up and put a finger right back in the face of those who see it differently. And Jesus is saying, hold up. Wait a minute. See, I believe it could all be summed up with Jesus saying this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and do what? Follow me. When is the last time you've denied yourself a simple pleasure? This is where we get in trouble because it feels good. Mm. Mind you, I've cooked those brownies. Because now i got to get some milk. And I'm going to have to eat that brownie because it feels good. It tastes good. It's a simple pleasure. Right? When is the last time we fasted from something? We've denied ourselves. We've taken up our cross and followed Jesus. Oh, what about this? When is the last time you listened to understand instead of listening to reply? Because this is what we have going on today. Everybody's listening to reply. Oh, I know how I'm about to shoot that down. Why, you think you're smart. Watch this. Come on, just keep giving it because i got to come back. Well, if we ever tried to listen to understand instead of just simply listening to reply, everybody's got words. My whole prayer going to Mexico was, Lord, don't give me a lot of words. I'm out. Because what your, what your word, what your word says is that they'll know because there's going to be a demonstration of power and of authority. Let that be seen. See, just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean it's the truth. Let me repeat that. Just because you feel a certain way does not mean it's the truth. Emotions can be good, but they can be unpredictable and lead you way off course. The seduction of the enemy, oh man, I tried to shoot a video on this. Some of you saw the little video clip I shot this morning in my, in my office at home. And I don't care about the horns. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah I've had several people say, you know, I said, man, you got a lot of horns in your office. Yes, I do. Okay. But my point was trying to say, hey, come to church because I want to talk about this new enemy that we're really having to fight known as emotions. But it, it really, I tried to, Allison watched me for 20, 30 minutes the other night trying to cut a video of, of this statement. Here's the statement. The seduction of the enemy isn't always blatant sin. It can simply be participating in ways that are in opposition to his truth. 
If Satan can cause you to participate in the things of this world, i.e. gossip, slander, impulsive behavior, anger, etc., then how will you ever lead someone in a different direction? Careful, because the seduction of the culture is seen throughout Scripture. The Apostle Paul, in the majority of his letters, is warning and cautioning about the seduction of the culture. And the seduction of our culture is trying to engage us and get us to engage in being led by a life and through a life of emotions. Caleb and Joshua. See, they held to God's truth. They didn't hold to their feelings. I'm sure they had feelings about things too. I'm sure they saw the giants. I'm sure they saw, saw the land. I'm sure they saw the territories, the cities, the fortified cities that needed to be conquered. I'm sure they saw that. I'm sure they had some feelings that led them to a place of fear at times. But they were tr entrusted and trusting God's word to lead them. That God had given us this. See, the people feared the giants. They felt like grasshoppers in their eyes. They wouldn't get to participate in God's destiny. Do you know this? That the only two in this story that would participate in God's destiny for their lives were Caleb and Joshua. Even Moses got to look in. But the rest perished because they were living a life based upon their feelings. Caleb and Joshua saw a land flowing with milk and honey. They said, we must go. The people saw the fortified cities, the size and strength of the flesh, the history of the people who were occupying the land, the Hittites, the Amalekites, the Jebusites, all of their cousins, all the ites were there. We can't go into that place. They've been there for centuries. The people would be led by their emotions, how they felt instead of the truth of God. God had already spoken and said, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give to the Israelites. You know, isn't it interesting, the first city that they conquered in the promised land was a city known as Jericho. How much fighting took place in that city? Right, thank you. What did they do? They walked around seven times. Instead of walking in fear, they walked in faith. I don't know why God has us go around this goofy city seven times. Are you sure, Moses, you didn't hear him just three or four times? This is ridiculous, and they're laughing at us, and they're, they're pointing fingers at us, and they're like, what in the world? Who is this, this foreign people that's coming to take over this city? And the walls came tumbling down. It was a promise. And when we live by faith, we remember the promises, the truth of God. We will live in His truth and not be led by our emotions that can lead us to a destiny that was never intended for us in this life. What do you do when your senses are lying to you? Well, I'm glad you asked. Number one, pay attention. Now, years ago, we preached a sermon series. We talked about pausing pondering and praying I, I love the three p's i tried to to do the three p's or the five p's in mexico and then i realized their words don't start with the same thing anyway <clears throat> i said then y'all just stay with me as best you can translator make them understand right the first thing i would say is learn to pay attention pause give us some time hold it for a little while 
Whatever it is you're angered about, whatever you're, whatever's stirring your emotion, whatever's getting you to, to respond and you're wanting to respond urgently, just hold it for a minute. Pause. Pay attention when this feeling hits you. See, we have to ask this question. Am I about to honor God and His kingdom in my response? And when the spies came back, they were tired, they were exhausted, they were emotionally spent. Look, they had been in a foreign land. If you are a spy, if you've been in the military, if you were a Cav Scout, whatever it is, uh, my battle buddy was a Cav Scout, second tank to cross the Iraqi border. The night before he left, he wrote me a letter. I would love to read it to you. I still have it, but there's too much language in it. I even tried to clean it up. I was like, this guy, good Lord of mercy. Jesus save his soul, right? But, but here's the thing. When they, when they cross over, they're in enemy territory. It's scary. Every night, they were probably awake saying, hey, are those giants coming to get us? They have to be asking the questions, who are these foreigners walking through our land? Every night, every day, are we going to get to eat today? I don't know. You know, they're emotionally spent. They're tired. But listen, don't be moved by exhausted emotions. They were moved. They were exhausted. You know, when you're exhausted, the giants are bigger. When you're tired, the fight is harder. you got to find that one last punch, that one last swing. You have to say, I've got to outlast my enemy. They're exhausted. They're tired. And now they're telling the people, oh, my goodness, we could never take that land. See, when you get spent, don't trust how you feel. Your perception may be altered. You become vulnerable. Have you ever heard of something known as compassion fatigue? Those of you who are in coaching or those of you who are, who are psychologists or psychiatrists or work in one of those fields, you probably know where I'm about to go with this, but there's something known as compassion fatigue. It's when couples make it through a storm, but they divorce anyway because their emotions are exhausted. I've dealt with this time and time in ministry, some uh, a loving couple lose a child and it's devastating it's so hard and they love each other dearly but emotionally they are exhausted and when it keeps coming up and when people keep coming over and two three years later they're still coming over and crying and weeping with them eventually they have nothing more to give they're given out and they can't even give to one another it's known as compassion fa fatigue it's a real symptom they're just emotionally exhausted. Look, when you are tired, you cannot live under your own counsel. This is why we are called to have mentors in our life, people who can speak truth in our life. This is why I shared during communion the difference between the shepherds of the sheep and the shepherds of the goat. We need people in front of us. We need people to follow who do it and do life well. The second thing, what is the voice of truth? What is the voice of faith? in this area maybe take time to ponder here so we walk by faith and not by what sight those spies came back 10 out of the 12 and said hey this is what we saw Caleb and Joshua said yeah but this is what we heard we walk by faith and not by sight remember the Israelites inherited the land based upon what God did not what they did they were simply just to have the faith in what he said it takes faith to shout while the walls are still up. It takes faith to shout 
while the walls are still up. That's what they were doing when they were marching around Jericho. They were shouting. They were playing their trumpets. It takes faith to shout while the walls are still up. Now listen to me, church. Anyone can shout when the walls come down. Who's shouting while the walls are up when it's still tough, when you're in the arena? John Wesley. Church father, he had some pastors come to him once and they said, hey, we're exhausted, we're tired. As a matter of fact, if you were a circuit rider, at the age of 30, you were considered an old, worn-out preacher. That's what they consider you. At the age of 30, I know some of you young men are like, what the heck? Jeez. That's the way it was. And they came to him and they said, hey, uh, we just don't feel like we've got faith to preach. We're exhausted, we're tired, and this is what John Wesley told him. He said, you get out there and you preach. You preach faith until you have it, and then when you have it, you'll preach it. <laughs> That's pretty good. In other words, you adhere to the truth and the one hope of your calling, and you do it whether you feel like it or not. Parents, you ever told your kids that? You're going to do it, and you're going to like it. It's good for you, and it's good for me. This is how the Lord works with us. Right? Faith is built on what God says, not on what man says. Remember, someone once said, if you have faith and doubt not, you know who that someone was? Jesus! Number three, feed the truth. Starve the lie. Feed the truth. Starve the lie. You understand that what you feed will grow. If you're feeding fear in your life, fear is growing in your life. If you're feeding anger in your life, anger is going to grow in your life. If you're feeding discontent in your marriage, discontentment is going to settle in your marriage. What you feed will grow. If you feed feelings, emotions without truth, you will have no center you know, people who live their life by emotion, it's like you just want to draw them in. You want to rein them in and say, hey, come on, let's get some centrality. You need a nucleus in you. You have no nucleus. You're just out there living with the amoebas. <laughs> That's not in my notes. Look, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. I am the way, the truth, the truth, the truth, and the life. If you hear, I'm no good, and you feed it, then it becomes difficult to hear the truth that you were bought with a price, that you are a beautiful possession unto the Lord, that you are His most beloved, that He calls you friend and fellow heir. You ever feed that one? Feelings don't always show up when you need them. Look, I don't feel like working out, but it would be good for me. You can't trust them. I mean, sometimes it's good to have a guttural. It is. Sometimes it's good to, to say, hey, Lord, I'm feeling something here. Now reveal to me what the truth is. I'm praying for that for people right now, the young lady that's missing in this church. Somebody just in their gut, no, that is wrong. You need to go home. And then they would get a hold of that man, but that's my feelings. Feelings don't always show up when you need them. You can't always trust them. Sometimes you need to quit letting your feelings have a vote. 
and focus on the truth of God. Learn how to fast. Learn how to starve out what doesn't need to be in your life. The things that steal your faith from you. The feelings that no longer encourage. The emotions that drive you in the wrong direction that will eventually cause you to wind up at a destination that wasn't intended for you. Starve those things out. I was sharing with a man this past week and I said, you know, let me tell you something. There's only one in Scripture that's called a man of great faith. And that was a centurion. And I believe the reason why he did why Jesus, what he saw in that centurion is that that man was disciplined. And that meant he could starve the bad out. And it, mean, it meant that he could discipline himself to a place of understanding not just who Jesus was, but what his kingdom's about. And he would discipline himself to hear the voice of the Lord. See, some things in our life need to be starved out. If you're a drinker, it's very easy. We need to starve that place in our life out. If you have those addictions, we need to starve those places out and we need to focus on what God has called us to be and become in our lives. God's Word is truth. You're going to have to discipline yourself to read His Word. I have people tell me all the time, well, I never was a good reader. I don't like to read. I'm dyslexic. I'm da-da-da. Okay, well, are you feeding that? Because my God's a healer. That's what the Scripture says. You can't focus. You don't think He can make you focus? Can you not listen to the Word of God? I mean, the Scripture is very clear on that. How will they know if someone doesn't preach to them? Meaning that they will have to hear the Word of God. So there are other forms of discipline. Find those forms of discipline, and God will use them in a mighty way. Read the Word whether you feel like it or not. I'm not telling you this so God won't be mad at you. It's for your good, not His. It is the truth. What does the Word of God say about your situation? And feed that. Feed it. See, I'm so glad I don't base my faith on what I feel. Your destiny isn't how you feel, but it's in the truth of God's promises. Did you know, not often, I've shown up here on Sunday mornings and I haven't felt like preaching. What? Did you know sometimes, nothing against my wife, I've not been moved in worship? What? Don't get your feelings hurt, babe. But here's the thing. I'm going to feed what needs to be fed in my life. One time I was threatened about being fired. Not here, but at another church. I served. had a, some people that were for some reason unhappy with me. And this is what I told them, do it. Go to the SPRC, do it. But here's what you're going to find, that I will be the number one Sunday school teacher in this church within three months. Watch. Well, that's okay. We won't have to pay you for that. You know, anyway. Here's, here's the deal, because it's what we're called to do. You got to feed what you're called to do. Feed what you're called to do. Whether you feel like it or not, I don't always feel like it. But discipline says it's what we do. And here's what I know when I put myself in the presence of the Lord. There's a chance, there's an opportunity that when I started I didn't feel like it. But by the time I end, I'm in it. And I've been transformed in His glory. I'm going to end with this. There's a man in Scripture known as Job. 
One man comes to him, he tells him his oxen have been stolen and his hired hands have been killed. Job said, oh, that's a bad day. Another man runs up and he tells him, he says, his cattle, your cattle, your horses, they've been taken and all of your stewards who were taking care of them have been killed. And Job, I'm sure, thought, man, I'm feeling like this day's just gotten a lot worse. Another man shows up and tells him that his house has just fallen in. It's killed all of his children. Sores begin to break out all over his body. His wife comes to him and he says, Job, you need to curse God and die. His feelings and emotions had to be at an all-time high, church. But instead of cursing God, cursing his wife, cursing his bad luck, his bad luck and this is what he says. Instead of all those things, this is what he says. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives. And that in the end, he will stand on this earth. And whether in my skin or apart from it, I myself will see him. Regardless of the world falling apart around me, I know that my Redeemer lives. It's not about my feelings. It's about his truth. And whether in this skin or apart from it, I will see him. That's his promise.